0: you're listening to sorry what was the question with me alex campbell i'm a therapist coach and educator i also have adhd in fact i was one of the first in the uk to be diagnosed my experience having adhd is complex confusing and often hilarious it can also be quite isolating that's why i created this podcast to chat with other people with adhd along with their family friends and colleagues so join us I hope that together we'll feel less isolated, better understood, and more connected. Welcome to this very first episode of Sorry, What Was the Question? This is an introductory episode. It's going to be a bit shorter than normal, with the aim of explaining exactly what this new ADHD podcast is all about. So as I sat down to edit my first ever guest interview for this show, it struck me that with so many ADHD podcasts out there, and many of them brilliant by the way, it felt important to spend a bit of time explaining why another podcast on ADHD. For me, this podcast began when I wanted to hear other people's stories about how ADHD had made an impact on their lives. I think deep down, all I wanted to see was myself and my experience of ADHD mirrored in others. To hear their stories, to see some of my own in theirs, to be moved, to be surprised, I don't know, maybe healed, by how ADHD impacts on the lives of everyday people for the good and the bad and, I don't know, the downright odd. The idea became really evident to me back in August 2020, It was in the middle of the Covid-19 pandemic. I was having a review of my ADHD medication with my psychiatrist over the phone. I remember one of the last things he said to me. You seem very on top of your ADHD and I think you should be fine. Now, to him, all he saw was what I presented in our 20 minute sessions together every six months or so. He then followed up his remark with this. Do you ever read up on current ADHD research or connect with anybody? To which I said no. So as soon as the session was over, I jumped onto Google and started researching the living daylights out of ADHD. A classic hyper-focused rabbit hole was entered into. By the way, I use the term rabbit hole whenever I get hyper-focused on something, because I never really know where it will take me or where the heck I'm going to end up. So, in the midst of my research, the first book I sat down to read cover to cover was ADHD 2.0 by Dr. Edward Hallowell and Dr. John Ratey. And to cut a long story short, I wept reading this book, seeing myself so clearly nestled between the pages of the covers. It wasn't that I didn't understand what ADHD was, its symptoms, and even how it could impact on my life. It was the compassionate way in which two psychiatrists, who both have ADHD by the way, talked about something which has been for me, and many, such a challenging diagnosis to live with, and more to the point, a diagnosis that I can accept. After several books and papers that I'd read, I decided to join some ADHD community groups on Facebook. There are some really great ones out there, so do check them out. One of the things that I took comfort in was people's willingness to share their challenges and also how they overcame them. For some, it was a simple group post saying something like, this is me and my ADHD. Does anyone else out there feel like this too? For others, they were brutally honest about the deeply painful experiences related to their ADHD. They'd post things like about their marriage breakups, losing jobs, custody of their kids, falling out with friends, struggling to stay fit and healthy. And then below the post were the reams and reams of comments that would flow from them. And as I kept digging down my rabbit hole, I started to realise that with all the great research, the books and the groups out there, there was one thing that I felt was missing. A place to simply hear people tell their stories in their own words. If you were to ask my wife what it's like to observe me whilst I was in a rabbit hole, she'd smile and say something like, Yep, he's gone off on one of his tangents. So one night we were getting ready for bed and I was off on a tangent about something that I'd read and she turned to me and said, You know, this is all really great, but where do I fit into this? What about how your ADHD affects me? Aren't I a part of this experience too? I think it was a lightning bolt moment for me. Of course she's a part of it. I think this is part of the challenge with ADHD sometimes. We can be so hyperfixated that we lose sight of those around us, even those closest to us. And quite often, those around us do not have ADHD. But they do have an experience of ADHD, possibly from a neurotypical perspective. And it was then that this idea of the podcast came about. This podcast for me is deeply personal. It's also really hard. Making a podcast is hard when you have ADHD. I swing from one day having chatted with a potential podcast guest and hearing a little of their story and feeling super motivated and inspired. to suddenly lacking all motivation and just wanting to give it all up. For me, that is one of the biggest challenges in making this happen. It's so frustrating to know that my feelings and motivations attached to them can swing so drastically. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, screw this, it's too much hard work. And then something happens and I'm back on track and it's a goer. I mean, obviously it's a goer, you're listening to me now. I'm realising now that I've gone off on a bit of a tangent here. It could have been a rabbit hole, but I'm catching myself. I started talking about the idea of this podcast coming about, and then I went on to talk about how hard it is to make one. What I wanted to say is that it was my wife's comment about her being part of this ADHD experience that caused me to realise we need to tell stories not only of those who have ADHD, but also include those around them in the telling of the stories. It's true to say that not only those who have ADHD can feel isolated, but their partners or those closest to them can also feel isolated as well. They need a voice too, and that's probably the kicker for me to create this space for the stories to be told. So all that said, I thought I'd spend the remainder of this episode sharing briefly a bit of my story with ADHD, and a history of ADHD in the UK. And in future episodes, I'll not be talking quite so much, so think of this as my contribution to the lived experience of ADHD. Maybe I'll chime in more in future episodes though. Well, my story with ADHD begins back in 1990, and as I mentioned at the very start of this show, I was one of the first 40 kids to be diagnosed and treated for having ADHD. And back then, the only meds really on the market was Ritalin. So ADHD was only really recognised as a valid mental health condition in the UK in 2000, when the first NICE guidelines, that's the National Institute of Clinical Excellence report, on ADHD was brought out. Prior to that time, throughout the 1990s, there were large amounts of disbelief about the existence of the condition and virtually no recognition of its importance in children's education and mental health services, let alone that ADHD could progress into adulthood. For example, with only 40 kids in 1990 being diagnosed and treated for having ADHD, suggests that there are still a great many number of adults in the UK who have not been treated or managed correctly for the condition when they were at school. And I think at least a third of these are likely to have had significant ongoing problems as adults, although they can be largely masked by other psychiatric or even personality difficulties and, and maybe more significantly, by underachievement in life. Another point is that in the early 1990s, dyslexia had been recognised in the UK schools for about 20 years, and this was the predominant diagnosis, myself included here. Any attempt to bring any recognition of the importance of ADHD to the public space was generally met by an outcry in the press and accusations of turning children into comatose zombies. This was in quite a stark contrast to countries like South Africa and Australia, where even at that time, ADHD was recognised as a valid childhood condition, and so this lack of awareness in the UK was fairly similar throughout the rest of Europe as well. There's another compounding factor here that, whilst ADHD was not recognised, hyperkinesis was. What is hyperkinesis, I hear you say? Well, it's a state of overactive restlessness. Sound familiar? So there was an overemphasis on the importance of severe hyperactivity as the main cause of children's neurodevelopmental problems, with very little recognition that often the hyperactivity was the least of the child's problems and that it often lessened with time, but that the impulsiveness and the poor concentration were much more important detrimental factors. Finally, in 1994, the Diagnostics and Statistical Manual, or the DSM, recognised ADHD. Now, this is the manual of the American Psychiatric Association. Think of it as being a bit like the Bible of mental health conditions and disorders in North America. However, in Europe, the ICD, which is the International Classification of Diseases, continued to recognise hyperkinesis and not ADHD. The ICD didn't formally recognise ADHD until 2018 in its ICD-11 update. So that's a little potted history really, of ADHD in the UK, and if I'm honest I feel quite special that I was one of those first 40 people. I feel proud of my parents for having been as progressive in their thinking to get me diagnosed and sought treatment. I remember seeing this amazing educational psychologist throughout most of my school years. He was one of the first medical professionals to really get me, to understand how my brain worked, and then worked with me, my parents and schooling to provide the best possible chances of my success. I was also diagnosed with dyslexia, which is quite a fairly common alongside ADHD, as well as dyspraxia and dysphasia. I wanna pause here and say that actually the support that I got back then was amazing particularly for the 90s and you know for that i am so eternally grateful but there is a flip side to all this for me was growing up in a society that didn't really fully understand or recognize my adhd A select few did, including my parents, some teachers and a handful of friends, but for the most part, I saw myself as a bit weird and quote unquote that hyper kid that none of my peers really wanted to hang out with. And now as an adult, there is a part of me that doesn't blame them. I mean, who had heard of ADHD back in the 90s? Why was this kid so hyper and can't hold a conversation without saying something totally random or constantly interrupted conversations? Or trying to personify the likes of Ace Ventura? I mean, I thought that he was cool and wanted to be him and save all the animals from the evil bad guys but my peers were not quite as enthused as I was, unfortunately. Anyway, before I get distracted by my love of Ace Ventura, an important point here is that my memory of being a kid with ADHD wasn't all that positive from a social perspective. It was a source of stigma, and that's something that I know many people with ADHD today still struggle with. Having said all that, I'd like to share with you a really key moment when I was about 9 or 10, I was at a school in central London for kids with learning and developmental difficulties. And one afternoon, I was sat outside the head teacher's office. The door was slightly ajar, and my parents were inside with the head discussing my future. Actually, it's amazing that I can still recall this memory to this day. This is what I heard ushered out of the mouth of the head. At least I'm paraphrasing a bit here, so stick with me. She said, Now Alex's ADHD along with his other learning disabilities are so severe that he's going to struggle with his upcoming exams to get into his next school. He will struggle to pass his GCSEs, A levels are a long shot and university is probably out of the question. Now instead of feeling downhearted by this remark, it was like a firework was lit underneath me and I still remember somehow thinking, screw you miss, I'll show you. It is true though that for most of my school days, I really did struggle academically, but I got into a school that could support me. My GCSE grades were more Ds than Cs, and my A levels were more Cs than Bs. But come university, I suddenly started to shine. I did a degree in film, and I loved it. It was great. I ended up getting a first class honours degree. So hear that, I showed you TED teacher. What I've done here is majorly compressed some of my earlier years. But the part that I want to catch you all up on is my relationship to ADHD after I graduated from my undergrad. As I recall it, it's like ADHD just fell off my radar. I stopped taking medication, and I started a career in the fast-paced, busy film industry. It was the perfect fit for me, at least that's what I thought. After several years of success, I started to reach burnout. At the time, I really didn't know why, but I couldn't emotionally cope with the industry. It was deeply, deeply frustrating to have done a degree in film, worked on some huge budget feature films, and then realised I need to leave. I felt more like a failure than a success, but I also knew I couldn't continue. I was headed down a road marked severe depression if I didn't act fast. So I did, and I left and I headed into weekly talking therapy. It was painful, but for the first time I started to feel seen and understood again. A year after I started back in therapy, I was talking with a really good friend about career options, and she turned to me and said, Have you ever thought about a career in therapy? It slightly stopped me in my tracks. The thought of being in the quote-unquote other chair was quite daunting, but a thought that did intrigue me. And so skipping ahead a few years, it was only really in my finalist year of psychotherapy training that I was confronted with my ADHD diagnosis. It's like it was somehow dormant, at least that's what I thought. I think now, how the hell could that have been? How could it have been such a defining part of most of my childhood, and then have had years and years of a successful career in film, and then to go back into education to retrain, and only then do I face it? It was the incredibly long academic papers that I had to write during my theory that provoked me to wonder why I struggled to get anything down on paper, or at least anything that made coherent sense in an essay. My training lasted about four years. It was grueling, but I think it was also the making of me. Ask anyone who's been through psychotherapy training. It's damn hard. Expect every skeleton in your closet to be explored and in groups. It was the challenge of feeling almost unable to make it through writing long essays that caused me to wonder if my ADHD was still impacting on me. Of course it was. I got re-diagnosed at adult ADHD combined type and was prescribed a stimulant drug called methylphenidate. Amazingly, I went from failing papers to getting passes and then my final essay where I was awarded a distinction. I was medicated when I wrote that paper. Is it any coincidence? I think not. I realise now just how much I started to mask my ADHD once I finished my undergrad and then started working in the busy film industry. It was the perfect manic environment to mask all of my struggles. And no one noticed, not even me. I was in denial. And I think going into psychotherapy training made it impossible to avoid. And I always say to people, if it wasn't for the training, I'm not sure I'd be married now, hold down a job, friends, and live a stable and meaningful life. I'm going to draw my story to a close here. As you might see, the journey with ADHD is not straightforward. And from all the future guests to be featured on this podcast, for many, that's also part of their story. ADHD is not simple. It can be hard to understand. And that goes for those diagnosed and those who are not. But that doesn't make it any less important, and certainly one to keep talking about, keep sharing the stories, the times of pain, of loss, of excitement, of hilarity, or even the bizarre. Because in some shape or form, I think we've all been there. For me, this podcast isn't just about hearing stories or seeing myself in others. It's about recognising and accepting who I am. Accepting the confusion, the paradoxes, the chaos, but also the amazing parts of myself that I mask, that I'm trying to allow and be visible. I'm not perfect, thank God I'm not, although I like to think I delude myself at times that I am. But I'm also not neurotypical, and even though I live in a neurotypical world, I need to remind myself daily that it's okay, better still, it's a wonderful thing that I'm neurodiverse. It's taken me my whole life to be able to say that, I think. I'm still not there, Maybe I never will be, but I am on my way. So if any of what I have shared in this episode strikes a chord in you, whether you have ADHD, you suspect you might, or you know someone who does, then I invite you to join me and my guests in understanding more of what it's like to live with a diagnosis of ADHD. My first guest in the next episode is the incredible Sarah Bickers, a woman who only in the last few years got diagnosed, and she runs a successful professional organizing business. How might someone with ADHD make a living out of running a business organising other people's homes? Well, you'll have to tune into that episode and find out. You can follow this podcast and all updates on future episodes on Instagram at ADHDpodcast.fm. The show was hosted and produced by me, Alex Campbell, and was recorded locally from a studio in West London. All audio editing and theme music was created by the incredible composer, Andrew Sawbrick. And finally, to all the ADHDers and those around them, remember, each one of us is different, but one thing that is true, each one of us is wonderfully made. And so, my friend, are you. Until next time.